Welcome to The Breakdown, brought to you by paintballaccess.com. I'm Matty Marshall alongside Todd Martinez, and we are two events into the PSP 2013 season. And man, the story of the year so far is that San Diego Dynasty is on fire. They have won two events of the two events that have been played. And man, it, it's, it's really pretty easy, honestly, to, to put a finger on why they are doing so well. You could kind of break it down to three specific elements. One. They're getting amazing, they're getting an amazing job done by their coach, Rusty Glaze, who's doing a great job with the talent that they brought to bear here in 2013. Also, their new players are just playing phenomenal, playing definitely not down, they're playing up to the next level of competition. And then they have uh, just a solid group of core competitors that have been on that team, Todd, for a long time. And, you know, and it's basically the, you know, those core guys, they've won over 54 tournaments in the past 10 years. And, uh, and those guys, are, they're looking phenomenal this year. Everyone's looking phenomenal. And it really comes down to this. It doesn't matter who gets shot. You almost could just put it down to one sentence. It doesn't matter who gets shot. Now, as a coach, you know, you look at that team and you scout them. It's like the NBA Finals are going on right now. You look mm -hmm. at the Miami Heat, it's like, who do we need to stop? LeBron James. We'll let everybody else around him uh, score the points and do the work. When you look at San Diego Dynasty, you can't really play like that. Okay, I'm going to shoot Oliver Lang off the break. All right, well, you still have Ryan Greenspan, Glenn Takamoto, uh, Kyle Tyler Spica, Harman, Tyler Spica, Harman. And Brandon Short. You know, there's, it's not really one way to try and stop this team. If you're going to stop this team, you need to stop them as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's take, you know, this, the story of the beginning part of the year was this emergence of Kyle Spicka and Tyler Harmon and these guys just out there kind of really elevating their game to the next level. But, you know, with, uh, with, with Alex Frazier playing so well in the finals, Oliver Lang has been stepping up. Yosh Rao has been pulling off amazing moves. You know, let's take a look real quick here at the statistics for these core players of San Diego Dynasty. So there you have veteran performers, Yosh Rao and Ryan Greenspan. And Yosh Rao is ranked 42nd overall, but the big story, Ryan Greenspan, he is now the top gun of the whole entire PSP, ranked first, 33 total kills for Yosh Rao, 53 for Ryan Greenspan, and the survivability for both guys, pretty impressive, but considering that Ryan Greenspan is definitely initiating tons of gunfights and is putting himself in precarious situations, it is no, it's no surprise that with the numbers that he's putting up, I mean, look at the points played versus points won. He's played 78 points, won 56 of those. Yosh Rao, he has played 58 points. He's won 39. And, but the big thing with Yosh Rao, even though all the credit definitely, or you got to put a lot of credit to Ryan Greenspan. There's a look at him right here. And, you know, look at Ryan Greenspan. Ryan Greenspan has just been such a spark plug for this team this year. It doesn't matter what position that you put Ryan Greenspan in, he's always hunting for kills. He just has such a, a, a chameleon-like ability to morph to the situation presented to him. If he, he can play defensive, he can play offensive. It, it doesn't really matter. Ryan is just such a, a dynamic player out there for, and, and playing the best paintball he's ever played at age 30. Yeah, and what the numbers aren't going to tell you, Matty, is how Ryan Greenspan, when, the body, when they're down on bodies, he never gives up. Dynasty could be down bodies off the break, and if, as long as Ryan Greenspan is in, and Yosh Rao for that matter, as you see Yosh Rao right here pulling out games as they did in uh, MAO against the Russians, Yosh Rao and Ryan Greenspan have been pulling out games for Dynasty all season. And to talk about guys that are known for pulling out games and playing aggressive, Oliver Lang setting the pace of games, Oliver Lang number two, Alex Frazier number seven. Oliver Lang really stepping it up this year. You know, long time, long, he's been renowned as the best player in the world for a long time. He's putting up some solid numbers this year, ranked 29th overall. Alex Frazier, he's had some clutch performances. Now, you're looking at these middle of the pack, actually kind of top third of the pack as far as where they're ranked, but still, it doesn't matter. These guys are getting it done out there. 39 kills total for Oliver Lang, 36 for Alex Frazier. Great survivability for both of them, 76 for Oliver Lang, 73% for Alex Frazier. And Oliver not getting very close to amount, uh, the same amount of spins. He's played uh, 58 points so far, won 38 of them. And then Alex Frazier getting 59 spins out there, winning 37. So, you know, both of those guys have been contributing. So you're looking at guys like the younger players, Tyler Harmon, Kyle Spicka, they've really stepped it up 
as they've brought onto this team because they have this, there's so much confidence on this team. This team is playing with so much confidence. And the thing about Alex Frazier is he had such a good performance in the finals in the first couple points to put Dynasty up three, you know, as they won their second event in the row. And, and that basically comes down to, you know, he's a veteran. He's been in these situations time and time again as the years progress. And since he's seen this so many times, I mean, he's heading into that, you know, kind of 10,000 hour mark of mastery where he's been on the field for so long, so many years in a row, been winning tons of tournaments. And, uh, you know, and then there's, of course, Oliver Lang. I mean, you know, Oliver Lang is probably the mo one of the most legendary players, if not the most legendary player of the past 10, 15 years in the sport. Yeah, and Oliver Lang, you know, last year we kind of gave him a little bit of a hard time for, you know, the way that he was playing last year. But you know what? He came back and has been playing stellar these past two events. Hasn't played like a superstar, but he has done what Oliver Lang has needed to do to win games for San Diego Dynasty. Well, Todd, it's almost as in Oliver is moving into the second part of his career. It's like a new chapter for him. He's going out there, and he he's not the front guy in the snake anymore, as you see Dynasty you know, celebrating there in their second win of a row. But the thing is, is that Dynasty, you know, with Dynasty, the, with the roster that they have, when you get these guys, you know, you get these guys like Ryan Greenspan, Alex Frazier, Yosh Rao, and Oliver Lang, they're now 30 years old. They've been playing this game at a high level for a very long period of time, but their roles have changed. You know, Oliver is no longer the first guy in the snake. Uh, you know, Ryan is, is, he's no longer, the, the, they're not the first guys to go anymore, except with maybe with the exception of Alex Frazier, who somehow, some way, has still kept the ability to, to play at a high level as the first attacker if they want him to do that. But they've, you know, they understand the roles that they need to play in those situations. Well, just because Oliver Lang isn't making superstar moves every game does not necessarily mean he's not playing like a superstar. Absolutely. Because last event, we saw him shoot a guy on the break. He played the back center. Mm -hmm. He shot a guy on the break almost every game. And when it came time to close out games, he closed out games. When it kind of came time to do a job, he did his job. Wherever he needed to do, whatever he needed to do to be productive for San Diego Dynasty, he did. That's what we asked for him to do all year last year, and this year he's getting the job well, done. Well, it's almost like though that, that those guys like Ryan and Oliver, and, and, and well, Yosh always has been that role player. Uh, but the thing is, is that they almost kind of pride themselves on that now. You know, like, yeah, I had to play the back corner of the spot or I had to you know, be the guy that locked it down, regardless of the situation. Be, you know, because they've been through so many different roles, uh, playing the aggressor in those games, now that they're in those situations, they kind of almost like relish that. Like, yeah, I've, I've got to play this very specific job. So you know, you know, again, the strength of Dynasty is just the depth in their lineup. It doesn't matter who gets shot. Yeah, and that, that's exactly the point. You know, they've had a strong core of players for a really long time. Last year, picking up Glenn Takamoto, you have a strong core of Ryan, Alex, Oliver, Yosh, and Glenn. Mm -hmm. And then you pick up guys from the Ironmen who were uh, made solid contributions for them last year to be uh, a finals team all last year in Spica and Short. Guys like that who are seasoned veterans. Guys who are veterans. making Sunday, yeah, seasoned veterans. But, who you know, know how but, to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Brandon Short has been one of the most phenomenal snake players for years. He's kind of evolved his role now into the two, that second attacker, especially on the snake side of the field. And then Kyle Spica, obviously, and Tyler Harmon, um, you know, Kyle Spica was one of those guys that heading into 2013, I really expected a lot out of him because I felt that it was his time. It was his time to kind of emerge out of his cocoon and be the player that we had all kind of seen flashes of uh, in games and in situations before, but he didn't really have a lot of consistency, a lot of self-doubt would kind of set in on him. And, you know, paintball is such a mental game. And, you know, even these guys that are the best players in the world still have to deal with that self-doubt, as, you know, as I think everyone could probably relate to. But, you know, that's the thing with, with San Diego Dynasty. You know, Rusty Glaze, again, doing such a good job of keeping control of that team, dealing with the talent in front of them, and, and giving them a good structure to build upon. And then it just doesn't matter who gets shot. Now, let's move on to the second-ranked team here in the PSP in 2013. It's Tampa Bay Damage. And unfortunately for Damage fans, they are just... You know, losing to Dynasty in the finals two events in a row, uh, and it's been kind of you know, it was Yosh Rao in uh, in, in the first event, and right. you know the, the second event again. You know, Yosh steps up in those big games, but for Damage, you know, they have this very strong roster. I think Brian Smith has uh, has come right back into you know Brian Smith, who's playing the snake for them. He was a longtime solid superstar, and then he walked away from the game a couple years ago, took a little bit of time off. Came back in, didn't really miss a beat. He was a top-ranked player from Tampa Bay Damage in that first event. 
but they just don't seem to have the tools to beat Dynasty right now in those big games, even though they're doing a phenomenal job of getting to that point. And, you know, two second places is great, but I talked to Brian Smith not too long ago, and, you know, those guys expect excellence out of each other. They expect to be winning tournaments, and with the roster, there's no excuse. Now, but a little bit of news, big hit. Well, it depends on who you talk to. You could argue that it's a big hit to the roster. You could argue that it's not a big hit to the roster, but Jacob Edwards goes to Houston Heat. So, I mean, that, and, you know, it's just one of those things, and you're looking at here Jacob Edwards, who he's not even 18 years old right now. Jacob Edwards is still 17 years old. He's been on the team for three and a half years. He's a world champion. He's won three tournaments with Tampa Bay Damage, and really one of those guys that is just a straight phenom. I mean, he's been playing at a high level since, you know, I mean, since he was 15 years old. But now moving to Houston Heat, you see now he's th ranked 35th overall this year. But Todd, he was ranked 21st overall. He left because he was getting sat a little more than he wanted to. What do you think about that? Well, you know, like I really believe in Jacob Edwards' talent. Obviously, he's been making contributions to uh, Tampa Bay Damage for the past few years. But you know what? I think Jacob Edwards could be doing a lot more. And it's up to him right now to prove it for um, Houston Heat because Jacob Edwards obviously he's a stellar player but when you're playing with uh, a team like Tampa Bay Damage and you're surrounded by talent and you have tons of good players around you it's a lot easier to play well and it's not like he's going to a, a team that doesn't have a lot of talent around him but he's you he was used to that system he was comfortable in that system he felt like he had his place and now he's gonna go play with Houston Heat he's not Jason Edwards brother he's not Jacob Edwards and Jason Edwards. He's not Jacob Edwards from Tampa Bay Damage. He is Jacob Edwards, a player who needs to establish himself and prove his worth as a player for Houston Heat. Do you think that that was the impetus behind his decision? Do you think it was just that he got sat a little bit more? Because, you know, if you look at, I mean, he's played a lot of points this year. So it's not like he's been getting sat constantly. I mean, you look at it like a guy like Todd Morrow, who's actually uh, the Winfluence leader. If you go to paintballaccess.com and check out our statistics, you know, he's only played 15 points this year. Whereas a guy like Jason Edwards, or I'm sorry, Jacob Edwards, is that he's getting a decent amount of spins out there. But I think that maybe he's also in that situation where, you, you know, you go to a guy like Kyle Spica, who had been on the Ironman for a long time. And, and, uh, and then he goes to Dynasty and then talking about that move, it was kind of, you know, a time to, at least in his mind, time for him to emerge and really assert his dominance on that snake side of the field. Now Jacob Edwards has absolutely been J Jason Edwards' younger brother for a long period of time because Jason Edwards is so good. Jason Edwards from Tampa Bay Damage, he was the People's Choice MVP from 2012 and honestly widely regarded as, if not the best, best uh, three, the best back player in the league. Um, then very close to it. And he'd be one of those guys that, you know, you'd be a fool not to pick him at least in the first top five of, of any, you know, if you were just to be able to take any of the players from any of the teams and you needed a guy to play that back position, that three role, he's so versatile, so dynamic. And I think that maybe, you know, maybe that had something to do with Jacob leaving. You know, maybe it was time for him to, you know, he didn't obviously feel like he was getting the playing time that he wanted to. And, and he was respectful about it. We, you know, we have an interview on paintballaccess.com. Check it out with him and in his own words. But essentially, he didn't even want to talk about He didn't want to you know, slang any mud or say anything bad about the situation other than he didn't feel that SK valued his worth to the team. That, that's all he said. He's like, I, just, I don't think he sees me being worth as much to the team as, as, as he feels like he is. You know, and I mean, everyone, everyone that's coming up the ranks has been in those situations before, but it's tough because, you know, you're playing behind Chad Bouchier, who's such an amazing player, you know, so it's, it's just one of those situations where it's tough. It, it, there is no right or wrong in this situation, honestly. I, I think you're right when you say that there's no right or wrong because only time will tell. Because mm -hmm. all the points that Jacob Edwards played with damage, he played pretty well. And I honestly don't think it's the amount of playing time that he got. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to the amount of playing time that he got in the finals. You know, because I think that is with it. these last two finals appearances that Damage has had against Dynasty and Damage hasn't been able to pull those wins out, 
I think that his lack of playing time in the finals has to do with a lot of the reason why he felt like he was underappreciated for all the things that he's done. And, you know, I, I know I've definitely been in that situation before. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you've been in that situation before mm -hmm. where, you know, you really work hard and you do the most you can, you do the best you can, but then sometimes uh, you just don't get those opportunities. And it's not the lack of contribution, it's the lack of opportunities that you feel you deserve. And as a player, mm -hmm. when you really feel like you deserve those opportunities and you don't get them, not only do you feel like you let the team down, you feel like the team kind of helped you let them down. You know, yeah, it's, like, they, it's like it's a weird feeling, yeah, but tough. like, you know, like you, not only do you feel bad for yourself, but you also feel bad because you didn't get that chance to help the team win. Do you feel that Jacob is playing as well as he did last year? I mean, obviously, when you look at the numbers, he was ranked 21st overall after five events through the entire season of 2012. And then heading into this year, or heading into the third event as we're coming up on the Chicago Open, and make sure you go to PSP events and sign your team up because it's probably going to sell out uh, 21st through the 23rd of June. But... Now he's ranked 35th, still obviously a contributor, uh, not as high of a G count as he had last year, not, not, not getting as many kills out there, still definitely getting it done out there depending on who you're comparing him to, but if, you're, but if you are comparing him to himself from last season, you know, 21st last year, 35th right now, but what do you think personally? Honestly, I feel like it comes down to the three things that I always talk about, you know? Number one is hard work. Hard work gets you in the door, okay? I fully believe that Jacob Edwards showed up to every practice that Damage had and played as hard as he could. You know, it comes down to effort. You know, how hard was Jacob Edwards willing to put in uh, to, to be able to be the top five on Damage's roster to be able to play in those finals. Because I know, I know Kevin Brettauer. He's a, he's a no-nonsense type of guy. Either you're top five or you're not. You know, he considers every uh, option for the type of players that he could put in. You know, so the effort. Did, did Jacob Edwards really put in the effort to be the top five on Damage's roster? Mm -hmm. Okay, focus. Okay, was, Dam was Jacob Edwards more worried about Damage winning in the finals? Of the last two events, or was he more worried about how much playing time he was getting in the last two events? You know, because being on a great team, mm -hmm. there are not a whole lot of players that have an opportunity to be on a great team. Jacob Edwards is on a great team. Sometimes you just got to be grateful that you're surrounded by great players who allow you to be great as well. Mm -hmm. And then competitiveness. You know, competitiveness is that drive that every pro player has to be the best player he can be. And honestly, I think that is the one area where Jacob Edwards could have been better and separated himself as to be one of the top five players on damage that should have been playing in the finals consistently mm -hmm. the last two events mm -hmm. that Kevin Brettauer did not see. And because I, I, I say that, you know, with all respect to Jacob Edwards, because mm -hmm. I, I think Jacob Edwards is a very talented player, I think it was that competitiveness. You know, I think Jacob Edwards... Um, yeah, not trying to be a jerk here, but I think he put on a little bit of weight, so he might have lost uh, a little bit of a step over the past uh, five, six months. You know, I think that he was faster last year. I think that he was more sharp in his gun battles last year, and I don't know if he's stopped doing the fundamental drills and the type of stuff that guys on Tampa Bay Damage are known for, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen him as sharp as he normally is because I respect Jacob Edwards mm -hmm. and his, his gun skills mm -hmm. as well as his speed. And I think that those are two areas that come down to the category of competitiveness that Jacob Edwards could have been better. Is this the thing that's gonna change the mentality of Jacob to be better for Houston Heat? Only time will tell. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is that regardless, I mean, we could sit up here and wax philosophical forever about Jacob Edwards and his deal. But honestly, you know, that's, you know, the, all, all that matters is what happens out on the field. We always say that, man, is it like, you know, some guys have to train 300, and, you know, 300 days a year. Some guys need to, um, need to work out all the time, eat right. And some guys just show up and they're, you know, but the level of play is here. And when you're talking about, the best in the business. We're talking about the top teams in the entire world, top players in the entire world. I mean, those are the spots that, that Jacob Edwards is really now competing for, essentially. And now he's going to go to Heat, where 
I feel that it's going to be a, a, um, a good shot for him. You know, I think that like we talked about, you know, this is his emergence. This is him. You know, now he's now going to be Jacob Edwards, not just Jason Edwards' brother. And I feel maybe he feels like he's already been able to exert that in what he's done for, for Tampa Bay because he's won some big points for them over the year. I never considered him Jacob Ed, Jason Edwards', Edwards brother. brother. Yeah. You know, he was well, always – In the beginning, in for the sure beginning, he was. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, like, it's like when we talk about Shane Colby. Yeah. You know? Unvicious. Shane Colby, yeah. Dan Colby is a legend in this sport. Mm -hmm. and, and you're always going to be Dan Colby's son mm -hmm. until you prove to us that you're Shane Colby. After this last event, you're Shane Colby, okay? Yeah. Right now, it's the same thing. Jacob Edwards, you know, he, in the beginning, he was Jason Edwards' brother. But he has done enough to be Jacob Edwards. Mm -hmm. And we respect Jacob Edwards for that. Absolutely. And now it's up to him to show that he is Jacob Edwards. And he is going to show up and do the things Jacob Edwards well, does. And the crazy thing, and we're about to head to a break here. We'll be right back in just a second. But I want to leave you with this. Is that we're sitting here and talking about a guy who's not even 18 years old yet. Like, he's not even old enough to, uh, he's not legal. You know, like, the kid is not even old enough to go into the Army. He's not even act technically an adult yet. So we're talking about a guy who's won three events, who's a world champion, and who's definitely one of the top pros, not even 18 years old. So, Jacob Edwards, we wish you the best on Houston Heat. Can't wait to see what happens in Chicago. I, ho I hope you get some spins out there, and, and I hope that you, you, know, you find the home that you're looking for. So, I'm Andy Marshall, Todd Martinez. You're watching The Breakdown here, brought to you by paintballaccess.com, and we will be right back after this. Hear that? Hear what? Tanks? 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 Tanks! Tanks! Yeah, tanks. Night, night. Tanks? Tanks. of opportunities, both for the sport of paintball and for your business. If we are successful in taking our sport to another level, unite with Paintball Access in our quest to elevate paintball and broadcast it to the world. There are advertising packages available for any size business. Join us. Advertise with PBA and help us change the sport for the better forever. We are back here on The Breakdown, brought to you by PaintballAccess.com. Matty Marshall with Todd Martinez here, the coach of Omaha Vicious, former pro player, champ, world champion, uh, former coach of uh, Infamous. I mean, you know, you've been around the block for a long time. But we've just got finished breaking down San Diego Dynasty and Tampa Bay Damage, the number one and number two teams in the entire world right now. Uh, but as we head into these other teams, I think that Edmonton Impact is who's ranked third right now. I think that Edmonton Impact is, is bringing a, a more, I wouldn't say unique brand, but 
they're playing very aggressive. Obviously, they have a superstar lineup. They've had some huge pickups uh, in the offseason. They got Dave Baines, they got Greg Sewers, and they got Justin Rabikoff. These are, we're talking about some of the best in the business right now. And heading into the event here, the next event, June 21st and the 23rd, what are you expecting out of Edmonton Impact? Well, Edmonton Impact has been playing really solid all year. You know, you really can't point out any flaws in their game except for um, the, the semifinal matches that they've played because they've really just been one game away from the finals in both events so far this year. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really kind of hard to point out the flaws in their game right now. It's just uh, an inability right now to beat the teams that are more determined to make the finals like Damage and Dynasty. Uh, you know, Impact has hurt themselves a little bit with penalties this year, I will say that. Mm -hmm. But all the players that they picked up and all the players that have been on the team have been playing pretty well. And Impact is really just, you know, a small step away from being a finals team. How do you feel about the play of Ryan Moorhead? Man, he really impressed me at this last event. He took a, a snake side that towards the end of the event had kind of devolved into this technical battle and was still playing it aggressive and playing it well. Well, two things. Number one, Ryan Moorhead this year has been playing awesome. You know, whether it was MAO when he was playing on the snake side or Dallas when he was playing on the Dorito side. But it's hard for me to say, you know, for the second thing is that I don't really know everything that's going on inside of Impact's camp because it's tough when you have so many really talented players to try and figure out the best way to get all those guys on the field and get the most productivity out of your lineup from top to bottom. You know, traditionally, you'd have two squads of five in a 10-man roster, and you'd run one squad, run the next squad, run one squad, run the next squad. But when you have a team like uh, Edmonton Impact, where you have so many talented players on both sides of the field, yeah. it's really hard to get uh, all those players involved. But I do think that they have done a good job mm -hmm. of that. And if they can keep out of the penalty box, I think that they're a finals team that's about to happen in any of these next. I, I think that they have a shot at any event to win it, to win an event because especially you know at the last event they had Ryan Moorhead playing awesome on that snake side of the field, but they also have Justin Rabikoff, who is the kill count leader. He's the G rating leader for the entire league right now. He's the number one guy as far as who's shooting who out there. Uh, Ryan Greenspan is the actual top gun, which takes into consideration six different uh, metrics, six, six different statistical categories. But if you're talking about who's shooting who out there, it's it Justin Rabikoff. And, and then also Justin Cornell. You know, so I mean, wow, you're talking about weapons. Impact has a lot of weapons. So they are still definitely a favorite to win in Chicago. Now let's move on to the fourth ranked team Los Angeles Infamous. They've taken third at the first event, and then they took seventh at the last event. And the big story with them is they had a disastrous first day. It was almost like it's almost like they didn't even, I don't know if they didn't get sleep or what happened, but they they had a very terrible first day. But the only person that was really playing just completely on fire, the whole event for them, but particularly that first day when the rest of the team was just really struggling, was Damian Ryan. And Damian Ryan has really stepped it up, and, and I'm incredibly impressed with his play. And, uh, and you know, Damian Ryan is just really one of those, those guys who I think there's a lot of upside to him. Well, again, you know, like we were talking about before, the effort. Damian Ryan will put in the effort more than anybody on his team aside from maybe Nicky Cuba. You know, those are two of the most determined players that I've ever seen playing paintball ever. Uh, the focus, Damian Ryan, all he cares about is winning. Damian Ryan wants to get out there, shoot as many people as he can, do his job, and help his team win games. Yeah, you know, he's ranked 10th overall this year. And, uh, you know, and last year, uh, he, he was, uh, he's just stepping it up on every level. He has 61 total kills, 75.7 uh, survivability. He's, he's played 84 points, 146 of them. But, you know, I mean, you're looking at him just running through teams, I think that the the, mo the thing that has developed so much in him is his versatility. Before, he was just a guy that you he was kind of a missile. But you coached him. I think you know him better than obviously you know him better than I do. But I, he was kind of a kind of a one trick pony for a while. I mean, he was obviously a very hyper aggressive, awesome paintball player. But he's developed this this composure and this high paintball IQ that I, that's just astounding me right now. I I, I just I don't know where the the top level is for him, but he could be the number one guy one day. The paintball IQ for Damien is very high, and it's funny because it hasn't been recognized in a while. But because of all the time that I've spent with him, I know 
the high paintball he, IQ that he has, and because of the effort that he puts into his athleticism, it gives him the capability to do anything. He could be the number one snake guy, he could be the number one Dorito guy, you know, but it really all comes down to the coaching and where you put him because it's what you want to get out of him because he's capable of everything. But again, with Infamous, Infamous definitely has a very talented roster across the board. Damian Ryan is playing at the top of his game right now, but because uh, but Infamous has success because they get contributions from everybody. Brad McCurley, Nikki Cuba, Drew Templeton, Bobby and Bobby Avilas. I mean, yeah. Bobby Avilas was the number one guy coming out of Dallas, and that spot has now been taken by Ryan Greenspan. But still, you know, if, if Infamous had brought the game that they brought Saturday uh, and then also Sunday when they had to fight for their lives to avoid getting relegated down to the Challengers division, because in case you're not familiar with how things are working right now, there's two professional divisions of 10 each. You have the Champions division, you have the Challengers division, and every single event, two teams are going to bump up from the Challengers division and two teams are going to come down from the Champions Division, and Infamous had to fight for their lives against Chattanooga CEP. They were able to defeat CEP, so they maintained their, their champion spot. Uh, but man, if they, if they had played as well as they did on Sunday and they did on Saturday as they, as they did Friday, which they were terrible on Friday, except for Damien, essentially, uh, I think that you would have had a completely different, you know, it just would have been a different tournament. But you know, they did take third in the first event. Again, I just think that you can never count Infamous out. They, they are obviously a favorite to win at, at any of the events. They won Chicago last year, so they're heading into an event that they're, they are the defending you know, champions or winners from. It, it, and I think that, and that's their home field. It's, you know, it's at CPX. I, I think that you, if you're a fool if you don't think that Infamous is a favorite to win Chicago. No, Infamous is definitely a favorite to win Chicago. Um, Kevin Rudolph and Damian Ryan actually played really well for us last year mm -hmm. and really made the difference in winning that event last year. And then you're going to get contributions from the new pickups like uh, uh, Mayo as well as uh, Trillet, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, those guys, they're, they're, there's another team right there that has a solid roster from top to bottom that if they can get contributions from all their guys, Travis Lemansky, Chris Sosine, uh, they're a team to contend with. And this being at their home field of CPX in Chicago, it's gonna be a big event for them and expect them to be really motivated to repeat in Chicago. All right, and then we gotta talk about Houston Heat. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Los Angeles Ironmen, the fifth ranked team. Now the Ironmen, the big thing with them real quick, they're, they're struggling on Sunday. It doesn't look like they have a ton of chemistry. I mean, they have some of the best players on earth on their team in, in Alex Goldman and Marcella Margot. Uh, Alex playing the one on the snake side of the field, though you know he kind of was playing the two a little bit. Danny Park was playing the one over there, and Danny Park is playing great. A lot of depth to that team, but I just think that they're still still struggling to find the gears, man. You know, they're still struggling to find that fifth gear, get it into cruise control. And the biggest thing is they keep getting defeated by San Diego Dynasty on Sunday. Yeah, this is another tough one for me because I kind of feel the way about the Ironman right now that I do about impact. You know, I know Mike Hinman as a player, the as a personality, mm -hmm. and as a coach. And, you know, the, I haven't been there for every practice. You know, this is a new team. Mm -hmm. They've taken some, a bunch of players that have, that have played together before, mm -hmm. but this is a new Ironman team. This team as a whole has not been together before. Mm -hmm. And I think Mike Hinman is doing a really good job because obviously they've made the semifinals. They've made the top four in both events so far this season. But I haven't been there for every practice, every event with the team. I don't know everything that's going on within them. Mm -hmm. But they do have a lot of talent. They do have a lot of smart players. And I really think that it's just going to take a little bit more time for them to get to be the type of team that they want to be. Because you can have an assembly of really talented players, but it takes some time to become a really talented team together. And I, I know that Mike Hinman is working really hard with these guys, you know, because they're probably, you know, one of the most dedicated teams in the league as they far are, as practice goes. They are goes. absolutely dedicated. But, you know, the, I, it's hard for me as an outsider to pick and choose the, the very things that I think are, are, are keeping them from being a finals team. But I do know that the effort and focus that they're putting in to their practices mm -hmm and to come together as a team is what's made them a top four team. I do think Mouse has done a good job. I do think Marcelo's done a good job. Um, Danny Parks played really well. 
Um, I really still think that Corey Bornstein is on the verge of becoming a stellar player, and I do think that Mike Hinman is doing a good job. So um, I expect to see more from the Ironmen the rest of the year. I expect to see more from them, too. I know they have more in the tank. I know that they have more capabilities uh, in order to, to bring out what's really inside them. I just I think they're just spending – there's a lot of pressure on them. I think they put that pressure on themselves yeah, because they look, at, they look around like, oh, my God, look who we have on the team. We should be winning tournaments, and they're just – they need to understand it. Just getting that that stream of consciousness paintball and let it come. So, yeah, the Ironman. But that's the cool thing about about this league right now is that there's just so many favorites out there. Speaking of favorites, Houston Heat, our number six ranked team. Houston Heat having a tough year as they won three events last year and they were the world champions. Uh, but you know, it, it's uh, it, it's tough for them right now. You know, they're just they're not quite. Uh, talk about a team that's that doesn't seem to have the chemistry that they had last season. It's definitely Houston Heat. I think that they're, they're struggling on the snake side a little bit, and, and now it's, uh, you know, that becomes magnified when, when you're playing against these other really good teams because, honestly, there's legitimately, uh, you almost could say at this point, eight to ten teams that really could win an event, especially with the Tauntaun. The Champions Division. It's the Champions Division. It's the Champions Division. Every game is a good game. Yeah, every You know, game we've seen game. Houston Heat, and we can sit here and say that they're the sixth-ranked team. But you know what? Houston Heat, they're the only team to beat Dynasty this year. Yep. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, they haven't played a relegation game yet. Nope. You know? And uh, they're still competing with the best teams in the league. So I really think that for Houston Heat, it's just a matter of Jason Trojan really kind of working out the kinks. Because last year, you know, everything worked well. He put he, – he, he did his job. Yeah. Everything well, worked he well. He was rolling the dice, and it was just seven, seven, like, on the come out, like, every single. So, it, it, I mean, not, not to say that they didn't struggle through a little adversity. I mean, obviously, you have the Russians on that team, Sergey, Mishka, and Fedorov, who really are kind of the backbone of their offense. But also, I mean, are you kidding me? Chad George and Sam Andre really stepped up. John Woodley played great. Ryan Smith coming off the bench, he played great, too. Dizon. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, Ronnie Dizon, who's having a great year. That was one of the things I wanted to say is that Ronnie Dizon's having a really solid year this year. So I just think that Houston Heat's another one of those teams that just on any given Sunday, potentially, they could come in hot and win another yeah. tournament. I just think that it's, you know, they didn't replace anybody, didn't make any changes, but now they have uh, Jacob, Jacob Edwards. Edwards. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. And Jacob Edwards is a versatile player. Mm -hmm. Jacob Edwards, if, say, last year when Sam Monville and Chad George ran the snake, Mm -hmm. And it was the three Russians from the back center over towards the Dorito side. Well, this year, Ronnie Dizon is playing well on both sides of the field. Mm -hmm. Okay? Very Federoff, versatile. So yes. so he's, I was going to say so Fedorov. Yeah. <laughs> Fedorov. He's so Fedorov. We've seen Fedorov this mm -hmm. season so far play well on the Dorito side and on the snake side when maybe other players were struggling a little bit. Now, Jacob Edwards, we've never really seen him play in the snake. But if Jacob Edwards goes to the Dorito side and plays like Jacob Edwards can, then that's that could free up Konstantin Fedorov to play more on the snake side if the snake side isn't getting the job done. But we did just watch the Millennium Series tournament, and Chad George and Sam Monville seem to be getting back in their groove again. And that's, that would be so big for Heat. If, if Sam Monville could finally get up there, I mean, honestly, and I, you know, I love Sam. He's a great guy, and he played so phenomenal last year for them. He, he was uh, the 28th-ranked player in the league last year, uh, 94th this year. So... He's, uh, he hasn't really been getting it done out there as much as he would like to or his team would like to. But, you know, he played so good in those clutch situations, like really potent situations where he needed to shoot somebody. And he was basically one of the main reasons that they won their first event to kind of start him on that role when he shot yep. Malloy, shot uh, Alexander Bunikov, who um, in, from Moscow in that finals matchup as Malloy was pushing on him. So, you know, Houston Heat definitely still in the running. But you want to talk about Moscow Red Legion as – we're kind of heading into the end of the show, and it just, it almost kind of pains me to say that uh, Moscow Red Legion got relegated down to the Challengers division, but at this particular point with the new champs and Challengers divisions, there's two pro leagues now, so honestly, you keep what you kill, and you earn what you get, and Moscow not really playing great this, this year, and they lose to the Tauntauns in the relegation game on Sunday, whereas Infamous, like we talked about, they won. Uh, against CEP, Moscow loses to the Tauntauns. The Tauntauns are playing great. Let's take a look at this game. You know, so heading into the matchup, it was Tauntauns taking on Moscow Red Legion here in the challenge, uh, Champions Division to see who was going to get relegated down. 
these are two evenly matched teams. You know, we had seen them throw down throughout the event, but you know, starting off both Moscow and the Tauntauns, and we'd seen this all event, Todd. Guys getting in that snake one, kind of feeling it out a little bit. Things had kind of progressed and got a little bit slower, but you want to talk about somebody who doesn't like to play slow, it's Axel Godin. Yeah, Axel Godin, you know, he showed a lot of composure early on in this game. Uh, Moscow was playing pretty aggressive, but Tauntauns were able to fight hard, go up 2-0. You see... Well, well, look at this. And this first part right here is that you're talking about absorbing aggression exactly, you know, as you're looking at. Look at Moscow pushing down the field, trying to use the advantage that Kirill Brittany was trying to break open there on the Dorito side of the field. But because Axel and his composure that you were talking about, still Tauntauns able to score that first point. And then now you're looking at the breakout from Moscow. There's the score 1-0, and now Moscow... Trying to, you know, basically they, they switched up uh, Michael Kovar. And uh, the thing with the, is that yeah, Kovar and Pant uh, Pantaliev playing that snake side of the field. But as, you, as we will see as, this point, as these points progress, is that Kovar was just better in that snake than Pantaliev was. You know? And that's the thing with Moscow right now. They don't have the depth that we've seen them have in the past. Like they don't have tons of guys that they can go to and throw out there and to make these moves and, and to, get things done, to, to get things done out there. And, you know, and you've seen in this point over there on that Dorito side of the field is that it was just Jason Weir left alive, and he just wasn't able to do it. And then, you know, so the Tauntauns go up 2-0 to zero in that game. Yeah, I really felt like, you know, Pantaleev and uh, Jason Wheeler could have played better as the two on the snake side over there. Um, Tauntauns actually went up 3-0 to zero in this game right here you know, before Michael Kovar actually really started to step it up and start putting points on the board for the Russian Legion. Because it was Michael Kovar who really came in there, came down this snake side and really started getting kills and got Moscow Red Legion back in this game. Well, it was also good to see finally Golev getting in there and hanging the flag there because he had struggled dying a little bit too much too early. And though Tauntauns went up three to zero, then finally, like you were saying, Moscow able to get on the board and then they sent Birnikov up to that center. And, and they just started running. It was, it was basically the best players on the team in this particular matchup were definitely uh, Jason, I'm not Jason Wheeler, but um, uh, Michael Kovar and also, uh, and of course, the Top Gun Award winner from 2012, Birnikov. Uh, Birnikov, Alexander Birnikov, so good. Now you're looking at the breakout here and it was become a, game, a very close matchup. It started to develop into that after the first three points were scored by the Tauntauns. And again, these guys are fighting for their lives here in the Champions Division. I mean, Tauntauns coming in here in 2013, they want to make a statement to the world like, hey, guys, we can compete with the best teams in the world. Oh, you want us to play Moscow Red Legion and see who's going to get knocked down in the Challengers Division? No problem. We got that. And that was – and then, but look at this. Fighting back after getting it put on him, Axel Godin and – you know, he, he was stumbling off that point, but he came right back and played the next point, and then it ended up being tied 4-4. Four to four. And, uh, and, you know, again, these guys throwing down here. Still, it, it was a... Uh, I like the counterpunch that we started to see from these guys, and I also like the fact that even though Axel got destroyed that one particular point so much that he literally was stumbling off the field because he got shot in the head 10 times, he still came back for the next point and threw down. Yeah, here's that point right here where it was tied 4-4, four to four. And Moscow Red Legion gets Biernikov up in the middle early, but everybody dies around him, and the Tauntauns were able to come through, bunker out Biernikov, and go up five to four. But it's that depth that we're talking about. You know, they don't have the depth that they used to have. And if Moscow wants to contend again and, and start winning, winning points, winning tournaments, winning games, then they've got to they've got to get guys like Pantaleev and and Lukashuk and all these other guys in this, in these games and and contribute. That's the biggest thing. You can see the body language walking off as Moscow is the closing you know point here in this game. They're just not able to get it done, and you can see the determination in the Tauntauns all event. Now, yes, the Tauntauns were playing and uh, in this relegation game, but I really feel like the Tauntauns. You know, they've won two events in Europe now in the Millennium Series. They have some really solid talent on that team. And now, finally, Pantaleev getting up there. In, but it was too little too late, honestly, at this point. And uh, as, you know, again, guys dying around him. So, you know, we're talking about dynasty where it doesn't matter who dies. It definitely matters who, who dies on Moscow right now. But, you know, look at this as, you know, just gracefully running the flag. And the Tauntauns end up winning that game 6-4 to four and really proving and stepping up that, you know, they do deserve to be playing with, uh, with, the, best, with the best in the business. 
you know, winning two events in Europe, coming over here, and after two events, still in the Champions Division, knocking out a, a, one of the most storied franchises in the history of paintball, a team that's won multiple world championships, is there you see the final score six to four as Moscow will get relegated down to the Challengers Division. And, you know, the Tauntauns are really improving. Uh, they're also very impressive in the sense that they are pretty much running with about five guys. Five, six guys is all that they're playing out there. And one of the best for them, you know, one of the best players of last year, and it was his rookie season last year, is Axel Godin. And then one of the players who really needs to step it up for uh, Moscow religion is Vasily uh, Pantaliev. And, you know, looking at the ranks right there, you know, Axel not as good as he did last year, 43rd overall. Um, gets consistent kills, though 50 confirmed kills. Survivability could be worked on a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and he's playing so many points out there, but you know, with Facility, he's ranked 105th. That's the bottom section of, of the, of the uh, entire league. 24 total kills, 52% survivability. It, it just Moscow's got a lot of work to do, and, and they, again, it's, it become, it's down to you and you. We talk about this a lot. You have to really be serious about things. If Moscow wants to rebuild their squad, then they have to just look at themselves and understand, okay, these are the guys that we have with. We have talent on the team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have a lot of talent on that team, but they are going to be drawing upon a lot of their players that have spent years now building up to be in this position, which is an opportunity for them. You know, guys like, you know, Luke Shuk and uh, uh, Pantaleev, they have the opportunity now to step up and become the Federos, to become the Malloys, to, you know, become the Kirills. You know, it can't just be those guys. And then Wheeler, who had a great year last year playing off of Axel, you know, he's going to have to step it up. I mean, just across the... Across the squad, you know, those guys are going to have to step it up. So before we sign off, let's talk real quick about the Challengers division and the teams that are going to be moving up here. So, you know, Todd, you coach Vicious, and you guys won the Challengers division. You are now moving up along with 187, who you defeated in the first and second place game for the Challengers division, um, Challengers Pro division. How do you feel about the team right now? Here you guys are having some tryouts. Yeah, well, we, we you know, Good congratulations to the team, you know, all the players on the team that came and did their job. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate the way that the guys on the, uh, that were already on the team came out and performed. Um, I thought that they took ownership of, you know, where they were and who they wanted to be and uh, came out and played a good event to get back into the champions division. Mm -hmm. um, the team definitely has only eight guys on the roster as uh, Phil Kank um, has got a job and isn't able to play That's anymore. That's a big loss for you guys. Patrick Wingfield, again, uh, got a job and, you know, is about to become a police officer in Omaha. Mm -hmm. You know, so we pretty much lost those two guys last event. And so we're holding tryouts this weekend, invite tryouts, um, to get some talent out there that, um, you know, so we can hopefully fill some of those roster spots and have some depth because, you know, when you're playing in the Champions Division in the PSP, um, you need all 10 guys because you never know who's going to step up and who's going to have a great event. So um, you and I did the National Collegiate Paintball Association yeah, event down in Florida. You know, if you tuned in to CBS, appreciate you watching it. You know, hope you enjoyed the show. But um, a couple of the kids from the Florida Gulf Coast team that ended up winning that event, I thought had stellar performances and that they deserved a shot to play at the pro level. So I invited uh, London Lewis and Luis Munoz from Florida Gulf Coast out to tryouts this weekend. Um, got a couple other players that have played um, in the pro division, semi-pro, and some divisional players, you know, that applied for the tryout. So we're looking forward to a fun, uh, exciting, um, very arduous uh, tryout this weekend in Omaha. So uh, for all the kids that are going to come out, I hope you're ready. And the coaches are ready, the organization's ready, and we're going to hope to improve the roster and do good in Chicago. As dynamic as London Lewis and Luis Munoz played for Florida Gulf Coast University in their victory against Long Beach in the collegiate championships, they definitely deserve a shot, And but it's up to them. I think that you know they definitely have the ability to play some really good paintball. How high of a level of paintball, that's completely up to them and their work ethic and their desire and their drive. But I think that that's awesome. I think that they, they've got a legit shot at making the team and, and contributing. And that's ultimately up to them. But I think it's going to be really cool to see Vicious come in. And if they pick up some new blood, it adds kind of more spice to the Vicious story. I mean, it's been such an awesome story so far. So to see it continue, I'm pretty excited about that. And then, you know, also excited to see 187 back in. And I think Brian Jenkel's playing great for them. And, uh, you know, obviously they have, you know, Eddie Painter and Max Trailer and Dan Zaleski. And, and, uh, and, and they're, you know, their beast of a captain, Nick Laval, who is just, you know, those guys, I really think that 187's got a shot to continue to, uh, to elevate their skill. 
because they have such great attitude. So they will, you know, Vicious and 187 making the move up. Moscow Red Legion and, uh, and, and Chattanooga CEP making the move down. And, you know, we saw some really good games out of the Challengers division. I, I thought that uh, T1 Top Gun had some good ones. Royalty had some good ones. And Royalty's got a pretty good roster. Royalty. Yeah. I like Royalty. I like Royalty, too. I like Royalty. I like a couple players on DMG. Mm -hmm. and, Sacramento um, DMG. You know, they've, they've won Division One tournaments before. You know, Seattle, Seattle Thunder. Thunder, they get knocked down. I mean, it's it, that's the cool thing right now. So many storylines, so much going on. And, and we'll have the rest of those storylines coming at you at paintballaccess.com and, you know, the rest of the PSP events for the year. So... You know, thank you guys for tuning in here. Now, make sure that you get your team into the fight. Sign up early, man. This event is going to sell out. We're just about three weeks out right now. 2013, PSP Chicago Open, June 20th through the 23rd. It's going to be held at Legendary Park CPX Sports in Joliet, Illinois, a little outside of Chicago. Go to PSPEvents.com for more info. And also, mark your calendars for the webcast. It's going to be brought to you live here by Paintball Access. And, uh, and also, you know, sign up in advance for the, uh, the, the PSP's return to the West Coast 16th through the 18th of August in Riverside, which is a little outside of Los Angeles. And, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a crazy season. It already has been a crazy season. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, make sure to like us on Facebook and, and, and share our content. You know, there's, you know, if you check out the website, there's a really a, a, a diverse wealth of content on there as far as interviews and statistics and, you know, really kind of trying to get behind the scenes of what's going on out there in the paintball world. And, man, it, it's, it's been a great season so far, and, uh, and it's, it's just going to get crazier. So thank you guys for tuning in. Matty Marshall, Todd Martinez, on behalf of paintballaccess.com. We'll see you guys next time. massive opportunities, both for the sport of paintball and for your business. If we are successful in taking our sport to another level, unite with Paintball Access in our quest to elevate paintball and broadcast it to the world. There are advertising packages available for any size business. Join us. Advertise with PBA and help us change the sport for the better forever. Did you hear that? Hear what? Tanks? 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 Tanks! Tanks! Tanks. Night night. Tanks? Tanks.